Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Geek Therapy Radio. Welcome to the Geek Therapy Radio Podcast. Mental curator Johnny Hamburger. I hope you all had a good weekend. And if you did not have a good weekend, I hope you're uh, doing better now. I hope that you're doing better day to day. We all have bad days. We all have bad weekends sometimes. Bad weeks, bad months, bad years, bad decades. Just know that you are not alone if you are going through a rough time. And you're also not alone if you're going through good times. Cherish the good times. And let's learn from bad times and help it, you know, make us stronger. But just either way, you are not alone, whatever you're going through, whether it's good or bad. So today I just wanted to bring you up to speed. First of all, I hope you enjoyed the last uh, broadcast going into the deep dive of Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020. That, believe me, like I said, it's not even, that wasn't even an ice cube scratching, you know, on the surface of the tip of the iceberg with all the improvements and all the features going into Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020. I don't know about many of you, but I've been watching Flight Simulator videos on YouTube and it's just like, it's just awe-inspiring seeing how real this all looks. The, I mean, the physics specifically. This is not a podcast right now about Microsoft Flight Simulator. I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I'm just like so many of you else out there, so many of you out there who are waiting for Flight Simulator with bated breath. I am just staggered, staggered by it, and I cannot freaking wait. The physics of it all is what most excites uh, is most exciting about me. I reached out to Clint Lazy Game Reviews for his input on Microsoft Flight Simulator. I reached out too late. That was my fault. He replied back, yeah, I would love to weigh in on Microsoft Flight Simulator. He's a huge Flight Simulator geek just like me and just like a lot of out there. And I said, don't worry about it this week, Clint. I know we're going to talk about Flight Simulator again. We'll have plenty to say. There'll be plenty of time to talk about Flight Simulator. So stay tuned. I will uh, email you again. And stay tuned, listener, because we will talk about Flight Simulator uh, probably quite a bit, especially after it launches. Me, LGR, and whoever else is interested in it. Anyways, so with this podcast, I just kind of wanted to bring you up to speed with what's going on with my new old 286 machine and 386 machine. I have a compact for those of you who may not know, I've got a compact 286E that I've just acquired and a 386S that I've just acquired. A compact Desk Pro 286E and 386S. So I initially fired up the 286E because that was the what I wanted the most. Uh, it was a 286, not necessarily a 386 or a 486. I mean, I do want those, and I have the 386, and I will get a 486, and then move on to Pentium and such. Uh, but I really had my heart set on a 286. I wanted a 
early mid 80s to 86 and I have one and when I initially fired it up you heard me fire it up in the last in the one the second to last podcast I uploaded as far as the hardware for the most part it runs perfectly uh, when I first fired it up, it already had some programs on it. it had DOS three point. And then there was some disparity there between does it have DOS three point three? I think it was, or is it DOS DOS six point two two? I couldn't quite tell, and maybe that's just me, you know, diving, putting my toes into the water of retro computing. Um, but there was some disparity there. Either way, it ran fine. It had a poker game. The guy before me had a poker game on it. This system, there's no way it's run in the past 30 years. I mean, this thing has been sitting in a climate-controlled closet. I mean, it's in pristine condition. It doesn't even have much dust on it. And it ran beautifully. It it booted booted beautifully, ran beautifully. But I think here's what I've come across. Here's the issue I've come uh, across. I went ahead just because, you know, whatever, I went ahead and deleted the DOS partitions. I started the process of wiping the hard drive, formatting the hard drive, all that stuff, because I wanted to install, for sure, DOS 6.22, get that up and running, then install Windows 3.1, you know, install all my DOS games. I just wanted a fresh, clean slate on this 40 megabyte IDE hard drive, and that's where the story brings us that 40 gigabyte sorry 40 megabyte ide three and a half inch hard drive while it could read just fine apparently when i was booting it up and running programs i wasn't writing anything or copying anything or asking the hard drive to do anything but read i ran into problems and the system is currently I can I can boot it with a uh, three and a half inch floppy disk, you know, with some basic DOS, you know, command.com on there. I can boot it into DOS, which is good with using a, a DOS boot disk. But trying to delete partitions and create partitions on the 40 megabyte IDE hard drive, it got all gummed up. It's having a hard time, I think, with writing or making any actual changes to the data on the disk for instance i will say okay delete this dos partition delete any part delete extended partitions delete the main priority partitions the logical part delete everything and i'll do that and then i'll say okay done deleted dos partition da, 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 and then i'll hit you know number four and see to see the info on the dos partitions and it says no dos partitions found all right okay this is fine so when i go to install dos it'll say there's not enough hard, free space on the hard drive and i go okay let me run f disk again and see what the problem is there should be 40 megabytes of of free space it should be totally clear free and clear here open up f disk again and what do you know those partitions that it said it had deleted are there again. And it says, do you want to create a new partition? Okay, yes, create a new partition. Okay, well, your maximum files, the size of this partition maximum is about one megabyte or so. I was like, that's not right. I've deleted the partitions and formatted the hard drive. Again, this is all just within the 286 system. This is what I'm getting at. Within the computer itself, I have not removed at this point. I have not removed, at this point in the story, I have not removed the 40 megabyte IDE drive. I'm just doing all this diagnostic stuff and partition clearing and formatting and everything in FDisk in the 286E itself. 
So every basically what you need to know is every time I go to del delete the partitions and reinstall the partitions, it says it's deleted, says there's no more partitions there. As soon as I go to install DOS again, it, sa it says there's already other partitions there. They're, they haven't actually been deleted. So there's a problem, obviously, with this hard drive. This hard drive is pr at least comes from 1987. I mean, I don't blame the hard drive. It's a old hard drive it sounds good but it's still no getting around the fact that it's almost as old as me and it's almost as old as my delorean it's an old piece of hardware so it doesn't surprise me at all that it has some problems uh modifying the data on the disc so i'm waiting for as of now, I had already ordered this stuff before I started diagnosing, you know, working with the hard drive in the system. I've, I've ordered the uh, IDE to compact flash adapter that is so popular and so common among the retro computing community. Uh, the, by the way, the floppy drives all work great. The three and a half inch floppy drive, five and a quarter inch floppy drive work beautifully and look pristine. The tape drive, I assume, also works, uh, but I've also I've ordered a 40 megabyte tape for that drive and I can't conclusively say that it works until I test the tape but given the given the condition and the function of the two other disk drives that work perfectly I would imagine the tape drive probably works great itself but back to the hard drive so like I said I've ordered the IDE to CF adapter I'm going to do it uh, as a rear expansion slot adapter so I can just pop the CF card in and out as I please um, so where I'm at right now is I've taken the three and a half inch disk drive or hard disk drive out of the computer and I put it into my Windows XP machine. Actually, let me take that back a little bit. I had I had to dig through my geek museum of computers and find a motherboard that had an IDE uh, interface on it. So. I had to, I pulled the IDE cable out of the hard drive IDE cable out of the 286 and I put it into my uh, Q6600 machine, Core 2 Quad Q6600 machine. I think it's a G41 motherboard in there, chipset motherboard. It has the IDE, ex, you know. Uh, capabilities hello it is ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day couldn't we just to make up for things like sitting in traffic doing the dishes counting your steps you know all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. There. Plugged it in. Motherboard didn't see it. It didn't see the 40 megabyte drive from 1987 at all. It just didn't register. I went into the the BIOS of that G41 motherboard. Or maybe it's a P41. Whatever. P34. I, I you could I put into legacy mode. You switch the uh, switch the modes of the actual interface itself from from SATA to PETA and IDE. Didn't recognize the drive. No matter what I did, didn't recognize it. Drive would spin up just fine, but it wouldn't recognize it. So I don't, okay, maybe you know, maybe that's just something with the BIOS of that motherboard. Maybe maybe trying to run this hard drive from 1987 on a computer that you know came out in 2007 maybe that is too much of a stretch maybe that what is it 
20 years, I think it would be at that point. Maybe that was too much of a stretch. Maybe I need to go older for this IDE hard drive. So I brought my Windows XP machine, the Pentium 4 machine into uh, into the into the game here so to speak it was still all connected there's no SATA to be found in the XP machine with the Pentium 4 it's all IDE it's a Dell Optiplex something it's all IDE cables I put a post on Twitter was it Twitter and Twitter Instagram both of them I think saying I really miss IDE cables said Satan <laughs> IDE cables suck but so with the Windows XP machine with the Pentium 4, that's 100% IDE as far as its interfaces are concerned. I plug the hard drive into there, and the computer did recognize the 40 megabyte IDE drive from 1987. The BIOS recognized it as a 41 megabyte uh, drive. And I said, this is great. Then I can just load up DOS onto here, or maybe I can get into Windows XP onto here and see the drive and format it into you know fat just through windows xp well i couldn't get windows xp to boot with it no matter where i put it on the ribbon cable where as a slave or a master it would not work it wouldn't i couldn't even boot to windows xp i know that sounds strange but i just couldn't no matter what i tried even in the bios okay boot from whatever set priority to or primary disk to this or that wouldn't boot to windows xp with that 40 megabyte ide drive plugged anywhere in the system I said, okay, that's fine. Maybe I don't need a boot in a Windows XP. I'll put in my DOS, my DOS boot disk in there and boot it into DOS off the disk. All I need is that F disk command. I can in format command. I can do whatever I need to the drive. It recognizes the C drive. So it recognizes the C drive in the window in the Pentium 4 machine. I'll just leave it at that. In the Pentium 4 IDE only machine, it recognizes the 41 megabyte drive. But I forget what warning it gives me or what cause of an error it gives me. Is it error boot sector, it can't write sectors or a bad sector or something like that. I can't run check disk. I can't do anything like that with it. It's just, it's, it's telling me that this drive and putting it in these multiple systems is just telling me that the drive is having a hard time at least with writing, writing data to the drive. That's what I think at this point before I do any further tests on it, I think what it's telling me, my diagnosis at the time of recording, is that this 40 megabyte hard drive is having issues writing data. And if you can't write data, then you can't really use the hard drive. I'm not going to be able to install DOS on the hard drive. I'm not going to be able to install Windows 3.1 on the hard drive. What I'm going to do, t not tonight, because I'm struggling, I, I'm my my mentality here is kind of mixed. Like I said, I have the IDE to Compact Flash adapter on the way. It's going to be here in a couple days. So part of me is thinking, why invest all this energy trying to diagnose a, a hard drive that's 35 years old or however old it is? I'm not going to use this in the system anyways. I'm going to use that Compact Flash to IDE adapter so i'm not even going to use this drive why am i spending so much time trying to get this drive to work or diagnose this drive at least that's one part of me the other part of me is boy it sure would be authentic to keep this 40 megabyte hard drive in here here in all its whiny glory so what i'm going to do is get a usb to 
IDE and SATA adapter. They're like $20. You can find them, Micro Center, eBay, Amazon, whatever. It's basically you just plug in the IDE hard drive to this adapter and then go out USB. So you basically plug it into any modern computer like a USB thumbstick and it should just recognize it. The adapter I'm looking at, I think it's a Kingpin or Kingwin or whatever. It's very highly reviewed. I had one floating around at one point. I don't know where it is. I will hunt for it even more before I spend another $20 on this thing. I, I don't think I, I can find it. Maybe I gave it to my brother. Maybe it wound up somewhere else. I couldn't find it in my initial lookings. But if I hook up this 40 megabyte hard IDE hard drive from 1987 into this adapter, plug that you and plug the other end USB into a modern computer, if it doesn't recognize that drive, then it's just the drive. I, I at that point is when I will fully just I'm not going to throw away the drive because it's an interesting piece, but I will just abandon the idea of using that drive in a working system. However, if I plug it into that IDE to USB converter and I am able to fully format it, uh, defrag it, do it, check this, check every single sector, make sure that in, in the drive is serviceable, it still works after a good, thorough digital washing and cleaning and defrag, then I would be more than happy to use that in a in a, another system, maybe in the 386, maybe uh Back in the 286, maybe I'll prefer that to the compact flash. Who knows? I probably won't prefer to the compact flash because if I can take the compact flash out of the system and put all the EXEs and files on it I want and pop it right back in the 286, and it it's so much easier using compact flash in a retro computer for the most part. But that's where I'm at diagnosing the 40 megabyte hard drive in my two in my compact desk pro 286 E. Kind of a funny story. I needed a PS2 keyboard. I have a PS2 mouse laying around as it turns out, but I don't have a PS2 keyboard laying around. So my wife and I were out running errands on Saturday afternoon, and I realized what part of town we're in. Oh, we're nearby uh, Electronic Parts Outlet, EPO, here in Houston. It's a freaking Disneyland for geeks absolute Disneyland for geeks. If LGR ever came to Houston or if the APIC guy comes back for whatever reason, we're going to make an episode at EPO. Mark my words. If either of them ever come back through Houston, we're going to EPO. I sent Clint a couple, like I texted him some pictures of EPO and he's like, that's the coolest place ever. It's like a, an electronics recycler on steroids. It's like everything you could possibly want and everything you didn't know that you wanted in one place so they have oh my gosh just rows of um what am i looking for what's the word tone generators uh voltage tester like from we're talking all the way back to like the 30s uh military field radios ham radios from probably back to the 50s and 60s old a lot of old radio stuff Tone generators, like I mentioned, power supplies and capacitors from way back in the day. Five and a quarter inch floppy disks, three and a half inch floppy disks, just stacks and stacks and stacks of, of three and a half inch floppy drives and five and a quarter drives and old motherboards and old components and old power supplies and a whole bunch of Arduino stuff 
every little bit and capacitor and resistor and potentiometer and individual and ICs, you know, integrated circuits, just as far as the eye can see, you can build, they have a, a life-size uh, model, they have a life-size working model of R2-D2, a custom-built R2-D2 in there. It's amazing. All sorts of lasers. So the funny story is that I had an excuse to go to EPO. And the excuse was, I need a PS2 keyboard. EPO has stacks of HP, you know, kind of relatively modern PS2 keyboards from HP. It's I borrowed the exact same model from work over the weekend. But while we're at EPO, my excuse to go into EPO is I'm going to buy a PS2 keyboard. As I was looking for one, there was a compact PS2 keyboard for $5. And I was like, I have no choice. I came here for a PS2 keyboard. It's for a compact computer. Here's a compact PS2 keyboard for $5. I picked up the keyboard. At the front counter, they had other little cheap $5, like those HP PS2 keyboards, more modern PS2 keyboards. And I thought about getting one of those. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. MIDI specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Those two, but I didn't. I just went with the compact. It's like, this is all I need. It's PS2 and it's from the same company, so it kind of fits. It's a more modern compact uh, keyboard, but it's still, it's the same brand. It's just better fits with what I'm doing here. Get it home, and I've been working with it for a couple hours, and I'm at a point when I'm fiddling with trying to install DOS and, and booting DOS from the DOS boot disk that it, it always asks you for the date and time. Confirm the date and time. Okay, so it says... The date was obviously not right. It was, is the date still January 2nd, 2004? No. So I enter in 8-2-2020, month, day, year. It's a U.S. Uh, computer. So then it asks for the time. It says, is, it, is the time 13.01 in 16 seconds? No, it's uh, like 1 in the morning. So I go into dash, do 01 colon. Where's the colon? Why isn't that not? That's not a colon. Where's the colon? I'm looking at the keyboard. There's no colon on this keyboard. 
it's like a Latin, it's like a, a, a Italian keyboard or something like that. It has the same numbers in, in letters as an American keyboard, as an English keyboard. It's still QWERTY, but I'm looking, the delete key says like Altima or something. I don't know what it is. It's all a different language. It's a different language, and some of the keys are way different. There's no colon key on here. I, it turns out I had bought a non-English PS2 compact keyboard. Which is kind of silly, but also kind of cool and neat and unique. But it's not what I need, and it doesn't work. I I need key functions for this for this English computer, this American computer. I can't have an Italian or a Spanish keyboard or whatever this is. It's not going to work. So I can keep this keyboard as a cool little collector's item in a funny story, but now I still need that PS2 keyboard that actually works with the system. So for now, I've got an actual, I've got another compact keyboard, PS2, actually English keyboard uh, coming from eBay. It should, I should get a lot of these supplies this week. That the keyboard, the compact flashed IDE adapter, um, the tape for the 40 megabyte hard, a 40 megabyte tape for the tape drive, a couple more five and a quarter discs. What else? Um, an IDE expan- uh, extension cable so that I can run the compact flash slot to the bracket in the back of the computer for easy access of the compact flash card. Uh, Molex adapter uh, going from the full size full pin to the floppy drive power adapter because that's what the compact flash reader adapter needs. So I've got some stuff coming from uh, from eBay this week. When fiddling with DOS for now, I, you can just hit enter. When I ask for the date and time, it's, I'm just going to hit enter, enter, whatever it says. If it says, is it still January 1st, 1987? Sure. <laughs> okay. Is it still middle of the afternoon? Yeah. Enter, enter. Those keys still work on the, I'll just call it the Italian keyboard. Um, where is I going with this? So here's what I'm going to try right now. Since I don't have the compact flash adapter, here's what I'm going to do after the podcast. I get done recording the podcast. I go home and everything. I have a computer that I have not opened yet. Another computer that I have not opened. It's the AMD Athlon X64 processor computer. I have. I don't know what's in it. There's something rattling around in it. Undoubtedly a screw or two. But I haven't opened it up. What I'm hoping... And I just thought of this today as I'm going mentally going over my 286 issue. I'm hoping that when I open up that AMD Athlon computer, that there is still at least one IDE hard drive in there. Even if it's a 20 gigabyte IDE hard drive, I don't care. I'm going to pull it out, format it to the maximum 2 gigabytes DOS partition. Maybe I'll put multiple partitions on there just to see if I can get DOS working for now just because I'm tinkering with it and I want to see you know a mechanical hard drive in there working so I'm hoping that when I open the Athlon computer that they I have one at least one functioning uh, IDE hard drive now the more astute of you listening might have caught that I talked about my XP machine with the Pentium 4 that had all IDE cables and all IDE hard drive in there I don't want to I don't want to wipe the XP hard drive, even if it's IDE. I don't care if the if the uh, Athlon 64 processor is running Windows XP. I don't care what's on that hard drive if it's IDE. I'm wiping it. I just want it to be to work and function. I want a working, functioning IDE interface hard drive, and I'm hoping the Athlon uh, computer that I have laying around at home 
has an IDE hard drive in it. As I've mentioned, what's the what's the point of all this? Why are you, for those of you not into retro computers, maybe there's some of you out there who don't give a rat's patootie about retro computers or understand any of the appeal of it or whatever. What am I going to do with it? Just to briefly recap, I want to use it mainly to tinker with, just have fun and, and be nostalgic and go back to 1987. And, and one reason you do this is to appreciate what we do have in the year 2020. There's some things that you wish we that still kind of carried over from computers in 1987. I, you know, for instance, and I know this is ridiculous, completely ridiculous for me even to say, but I wish we still had genuine Microsoft DOS, MS-DOS. Not that I wish Windows 10, you know, existed on top of DOS the way that Windows 3.1 did, for instance. No, not it, we, there's completely different UEFI, like the whole thing. It's it's all different. But I still wish a little part of me wishes that you could have genuine DOS on a modern computer. That when you sh when you exit Windows or shut down your computer, that an option shut down, restart, sign out, boot into MS DOS. Just like when Windows 98, you can restart to DOS. I wish we still had that. And I know I can hear you through this microphone screaming at me. We have DOSBox for all of that. DOSBox is an emulator. It's a DOS emulator. DOSBox is awesome. I love DOSBox. I have DOSBox. I'm looking at the icon for DOSBox right now on my work computer. It's right there. It's an awesome emulator for running Microsoft DOS hardware on a modern system. I agree. 100%. DOSBox is awesome. You can have the DOS experience on a modern computer. But that's not good enough for an authentic experience. I love, and anybody who's into retro computing, loves the feel of a physical floppy disk in our hand, sliding it into the floppy drive, hearing it chunk, 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 chunk away, writing data slowly. It's all a very visceral, tactile experience. And you're not going to get that with an emulator. You're not going to get that with DOSBox. As great as it is, as much as I love using DOSBox on modern PCs, I wanted a 287 to have the full experience. Three and a half inch floppy drive, five and a quarter inch floppy drive, formatted to 1.2 megabytes like an absolute baller if you were somebody in 1987 rocking really rocking a 1.44 megabyte three and a half inch drive and a 1.2 megabyte five and a quarter drive you were doing pretty good because usually I, there were still a lot of people even in 1987 still rocking a 720k three and a half inch floppy drive in a what is it 680 620 640k uh, five and a quarter drive so the fact that my drives, to the best of my knowledge, will read and write both disks. For instance, three and a half inch floppy drive on the 286E that I have, the three and a half inch floppy drive will read a, a 1.44 megabyte formatted disk, floppy disk, and it will also read the 720K single-sided, single-density floppy disk. No problem. But there were a lot of people, even by 1987, that were still, they only had the 720. Or they only still had the 680 or 645 and a quarter inch drive. So, like I mentioned in the, early, in the podcast before, 
the system I have is equivalent value today of over $8,000. It would be an $8,000 computer right now, and that would be the bragging rights. If you went out and spent $8,000 on building a brand new PC in the year 2020, and you're doing 128 core AMD Threadripper, you've got an RTX uh, 2080 Ti in there, or a Titan, or multiple Titans, multiple RTX 2080 Ti's, Multiple th- is there a board that can handle multiple Threadripper chips? Whatever you can build for eight thousand dollars today, that's the same bragging rights this two eighty six E had back in the late eighties. So I would like that's one reason why I want this computer working. I found an absolute gem of a two eighty six E of a Desk Pro two eighty six E, clean, immaculate, runs beautifully. I would really like to preserve preserve this and use this. I would like to type documents, scripts for YouTube, whatever, using Windows 3.1 and Microsoft Office. I think the latest was like 4.2 or 4.3 for Windows 3.1. Save that document onto the floppy disk, pop it into my Ryzen 9 computer, open up the modern version of Microsoft Office, and then pull it off the disk from there using a floppy to USB converter adapter. I want to mention that I'm going to start probably wrapping it up here. Well, you'll see. You'll see the, the, the time scrolling along the bottom. You'll know if I'm lying or not. <laughs> I tend to run on when I say wrapping it up. Um, I do have a USB to floppy drive converter adapter. You can buy USB to floppy drives, uh, like I said, eBay, Amazon, I don't know what they are, 20 bucks, 10 bucks, 12 bucks, 15 bucks, from all sorts of different manufacturers, but it's basically the same drive, usually. I mean, it's the same thing being sold by many different vendors, I guess. The thing is, here's what I've discovered, and what I would wager many other people discovered who buy a USB to floppy drive because they have a retro computer and they need some way of writing three and a half inch discs. So they get this USB to floppy drive to run on their modern PCs as a little gap between the two. A bridge is a better word between the two. There, the, the, these USB to floppy drives are not very robust and they are not that reliable. If you have a floppy disk that is as brand new as it can be and as problem-free as it can be and as uncorrupted as it can be, sure, the USB to floppy drive will read your 1.44 megabyte only 3.5-inch floppy disks that are already in perfect shape. If you have older disks, which is a stupid statement, of course, if you have any disks at all, there are going to be older floppy disks. The new, the newer USB to floppy drives don't like those. Old, you old floppy disk drives are ten thousand times more robust than the new just crap USB to floppy drives. For instance, you'll put in a uh, a floppy disk that it doesn't, it it's not really working too well on the USB to to uh, floppy. Adapter, but then you'll take that same disk, pop it in a Windows 98 laptop A drive, and format it there. 
It loves it. All day long, it'll read it. Plus, it'll tell you if you have bad sectors, if you do a full format on an old computer. So an old Windows 98 computer with a Pentium 3 in there. You pop it in the A drive, you do a format or a check disk or a scan disk, whatever. It's going to say, hey, we can read this, but you got here's all the bad sectors. You've got bad sectors. So you've got one megabyte of usable data because you have 44 kilobytes or whatever, 440 kilobytes in bad sectors. That new floppy drive, the USB to to floppy drive thing, won't see that, won't do that. It'll just it just won't work with the drive with bad sectors on it. It'll say we can't can't read from the A drive, or it'll say there's nothing inserted in the floppy drive. Please insert a disk in the floppy drive. Nope, it just it's just so namby pamby that it it sees any if it can't read the data perfectly. I don't know what the heck magnetic heads they're using in these modern floppy to USB drives, but they suck. They're horrible, terrible. You are not going to be if you can only basically read and write to perfect disks in perfect condition. Like I said, if there's bad sectors or if it has a hard time writing on it, it'll say, no, nah, you can't use this. Just use another disk versus taking that same disk and popping it in an old A drive on an old system. It'll tell you exactly, hey, we can still use this disk. You can only use 1.1 megabytes because here's here are the bad sectors. Here's where the bad sectors are, basically, and they can attempt to even fix the disks. Modern USB to floppy drives. Pfft. Terrible. But that's one but that's a unique complaint to have. That's that's a complaint that only a retro PC enthusiast is going to make. That's only a, you're gonna hear me and Retro Man Cave and LGR and Apit guy complain about modern USB to floppy adapters. <laughs> how how so infuriating and sucky and terrible they are. The rest of the world like floppy disk what are you talking about the save icon that's a real thing it's a real disk that's a that was a real thing in the world yes why are you still you i don't want to explain while i'm still using it because i have an old computer and i like it why it's so slow yes i know why do you still use it because it doesn't have facebook because it doesn't have youtube and it doesn't have all the distractions that i mentioned in the previous podcast we like to have the disks we like to smell the freaking disks. We like to smell the system when it gets warm and is throwing off all its little smells, the little light, subtle kind of plasticky smells. Ah, oh, it's nice. <laughs> it br- it brings you back. Oh man, remember this? Man, 1987. I would have seen this computer at a baller's house while I was on my was it what was the skateboards? Nash was that that crappy skateboard company i want to say that was the crappy skateboard company in 1980s skateboards in the 1980s by the way only had one lip remember that remember the big fat wide skateboards with only one lip and you weren't cool unless you put the plastic uh, grind strips on the bottom of it remember that they served a practical purpose uh, those grind strips not to get too distracted but you know that i am it was so that you didn't have to carry around a bunch of wax with you everywhere. If you wanted to grind a curb or grind some some cement outcrop in a parking lot, you didn't have to sit there with your wax waxing up the edge of the thing so much. Wax, wax, wax to make it smooth enough to grind. You had those grind strips already in the bottom of your, on your skateboard? Psh, you don't need to wax up a curb. You don't need to wax up a, a parking brick. You could just grind on whatever you want. What I didn't understand was they had the same 
type of plastic thing you could screw to the to the lip of the skateboard. Remember, we're talking the single lipped skateboards from the 1980s. I didn't like those. It, it, it didn't. The board wouldn't lean back far enough after you put one of those bumpers or whatever the heck plastic things on there. But it did mean that you could slam the tail down and slide really far. And I guess that was cool. Do a really slick, cool looking kind of tail skid kind of thing. No, I remember what it was for. I'm stupid. I'm sorry. I just don't, it just dawned on me. I just wasn't obviously good enough in the eighties as a skateboarder. I was very young in the eighties. I couldn't do it if I wanted to. The back plastic bumper thing was so that you could do tail grinds. What am I thinking? I'm stupid. Tail grinds. Of course. Duh. So I would have been on a skateboard like that. One of my brother's skateboard like that laying down on my belly pushing myself across the cul-de-sac and then I would have gone into the neighbor's house uh, whatever his friend need, my friend needs to go inside get some a Capri Sun or something or one of those Kool-Aid plastic squeeze Kool-Aid bottles remember you break off the top plastic tab oh my gosh back in the day and his dad would have been sitting there with an equivalent $8,000 computer that, that he would just be sitting there with a Desk Pro 286E so me having a Despro 286E brings me way back then. Remember skateboarding around the cul-de-sac on those old crappy skateboards with one lip? Barbecues, block parties. Plus, I can still use it today. It's, it's kind of funny. You can see how usable is this today. And I gave the example. Word processing. Save it on floppy disk out of... Microsoft Office 4.3 and put it in Microsoft Office 2020, which is subscription based now, which is bullcrap. Is it? It's probably not all subscription based, but I think I pay a hundred dollars a year for Microsoft Office. What kind of bullcrap is that? Anyways, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. That's my current endeavors with my. Desk Pro 286E. It's still fun. Still going to go tinker with it. I'm going to pop in that newer IDE hard drive out of the AMD computer. The Athlon computer. If there is one in there. We'll see. We'll see. I might slap a CD-ROM in that biznatch. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> 286 with a CD-ROM? What are you, Bill Gates? Thank you for listening to uh, Geek Therapy Radio. Remember that you are worthy of love, both giving and receiving love, and you are also worthy of your own self-respect and your own self-confidence. We're all geeks about something. You are not alone. Share your geek things with others. Lean into your geek thing. Embrace your geek thing. Have a good one. Mask up. And I'll see you tomorrow. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.